Hi, HR Nation. It's Chris Rainey. Welcome to the HR Leaders Podcast, the show where we interview today's most successful and innovative HR practitioners five days a week. On today's show, we're joined by Courtney Abraham, Global Head of Talent Strategy and Development at the ADECO Group. Courtney, welcome to the show. How are you? I am well. Thank you for having me today. Thanks for joining us. Um, Before we jump in, Courtney, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself personally and your journey to where we are today. Excellent. My my person, right? So who am I? Um, First and foremost, I'm a mom. Um, I have a fantastic family of four. I say I have big kids and little kids. I am bookended. I inherited three fantastic stepchildren when they were little and they're now big. And I have a little girl whom we adopted from Colombia, who's now in third grade. My husband and I and Laura, we live in Zurich, Switzerland, um, and just enjoy all things snow related at the moment um, enjoying food and culture and traveling and that really underpins who I am from a working perspective because just as I find passion in my family I find passion in people and that's the business that we're in from a talent management perspective fantastic so incredible well you are really reflecting your your outside in <laughs> experience <laughs> as well for, for I asked you this before Joe before everyone listening what, what was the decision that you made to, to move from the US over to Switzerland to take on this new role Yes, we, uh, being based in the United States, I may be an anomaly for an American, but I have moved 12, 13 states, so north, south, east to west, and I always considered myself um, an advocate, change agile, um, able to adopt and blend into different cultures. I had never had the opportunity to live abroad. And when we adopted our little girl, I thought, oh my goodness, I want this for her. And we brought her home from Colombia, and I thought, one day in our future lives, hopefully the opportunity will come to move abroad. And when the ADECO group said, you know, we have this fantastic opportunity for you in Zurich, Switzerland, um, are you ready? Um, my husband and I looked at each other and said, absolutely, it's now or never. Wow, that's amazing. That's so amazing that you, t- you guys took that opportunity. It must be so exciting. So how long have you been there again? How long have you been? Uh, just, yeah, just about a year and a half. Wow. Yeah. And I asked you before as well, <laughs> just how is it from a cultural perspective the change for you <laughs> for anyone who's moved anywhere um you can appreciate there's always that that change journey and it was about six months in when we had been living here and i remember stepping off the train platform and thinking to myself oh my goodness i don't think i learned anything new today And it was just this epiphany of every day there was this onslaught of newness, right? From Mm. language or transportation or just a mode of communication, everything was new. So it's been an exciting journey, albeit a little bit challenging um, at times with language and just, um, it's Switzerland. So there's a whole host of rules. um, And once you get used to the rules and how things work, um, it's actually a fantastic place to live. Amazing. So what's really occupying your mind now on a day-to-day basis? People. It's all about people. (laughs) In all honesty, you know, we work in a world that the work demands are shifting. And so today's jobs are not tomorrow's. The skills that we rely on today um, potentially will be replaced in the future. And so it's all about how do we make the future work for everyone? How do we create opportunities for people to um, reskill or refresh uh, in order to continue to have a professional working um, you know, profession or if they choose to volunteer or how they choose to give back? But really, how do we 
gain the best from people so that it's satisfying, um, not only personally, but also professionally. Mm -hmm. Which is why you do the job in the first place, right? Yes, love what I do. I, I'm, I'm hoping I'm not rare, but you know, in the field of talent development and talent management, when you get to work with individuals on a daily basis and to figure out what motivates them, what they're really good at, and how do you create an environment where they can absolutely do their best, um, it, it is one of the most rewarding opportunities ever. Well, that leads us quite nicely onto the topic of today's show then, which is uh, obviously the importance of constant feedback, right? Uh, and and making sure that, that every organization, every individual feels that that's, they, that, that that's part of the culture of the business. Could you share your thoughts around this? Because I'm really interested to, to to dive into this topic with you. Yes, fantastic. Well, it's a little bit like you and I were talking um, earlier. We live in this age where we're bombarded with feedback, right? So you have your mobile devices, you have your wearables, uh, you know, whether you're a Fitbit and Apple Watch user, et cetera, or you're just out there going for a run. We get constant information about how we're performing, to, to use that word, um, whether we take additional steps, whether our heart rate is too high, whether we need more water, you know, whatever it happens to be. Um, ironically, last night, uh, it was a snowy, not, not quite snowy, but gross um, afternoon and evening in Zurich. And my watch started buzzing at me and it said to me, um, hi, why don't you go out for a brisk 50 minute walk? And I thought, <laughs> well, really specific, but it was giving me feedback that I hadn't moved enough. And so when you think about that, you know, oh, uh, employee walks into an environment where they have received all of this feedback externally and then we come into a working um, environment and we want to ensure that people know how it is that they're performing that they have clear expectations so they know what good looks like um, that they're given feedback about what they're doing well and what they're not um, and if something's not going right the opportunity to improve and to know what improvement or success looks like so i think creating that environment where it's culturally appropriate and okay to say what's working well and what's working not is so important in today's day and age. Mm -hmm. I think as well, especially with the, uh, the new generation coming through, they want it as well, right? They're hungry for that feedback and they're impatient because they are from the era where they're getting constant feedback, whereas perhaps myself or you, and you may not be from the era, but I'm seeing more and more now, <laughs> the new, the new, even in our own business, bringing in uh, guys that are just graduating, they're really hungry for learning and hungry for feedback. They're certainly not going to wait until their 360 review at the end of a year. So in your mind, why, why is it so important then that we provide this? What are the, the benefits of, of, of getting frequent performance feedback? There's a tremendous amount, and I'll give you a bit of a story. So uh, I have worked with a few leaders in my past um, and in my present who are outstanding performers, but then something happens and no one tells them what went wrong. And so that top performer, that highest potential individual that had a career plan, all of a sudden becomes the lowest performer and is exited out of the organization. That's a disservice to people, right? So as a corporation, we owe people good coaching and feedback. And, um, you know, when I walk into an environment and I joined, um, you know, the ADECO Group Switzerland 15 months ago, the first thing I asked my boss is, well, what's, what does good look like? And what is expected of me? And then I constantly, you know, I did my 90 day plan and regularly sat down with my leaders to say, is the service that I'm providing to you what you expect? Is there something that I should be doing differently in order to meet your needs? 
And so constantly having that feedback loop and actually being the person that advocates it on behalf, behalf of myself allows me with my leaders to say, um, okay, so now are you doing with this with your clients, with your customers and with your teams? Because if we're not openly sharing, you know, yesterday in the client meeting, when all of a sudden all of the papers fell on the floor and it was a huge distraction, we missed a critical section of the pitch. And therefore, I think that's actually why we walked out of the room and we didn't get the actual client engagement. If we don't engage in those conversations, we can't dissect what went well and what didn't go well. And so we have to encourage this continuous um, feedback loop. And to be honest with you, it doesn't need to be complex by any means. There's a ton of simple frameworks that exist out there, whether people use um, SBI, which is situation, behavior, and impact, or the GROW coaching model, which is all about goals and the way forward. Anything simple to allow people to say, okay, what's the specific and what's the impact on um, my own career? What's the impact of my behavior on you, on the organization? That context is so important. Mm. So for companies that don't already have this as common practice, where, where, what's the best way for them to get started where it's really not currently part of the culture and they still have a traditional you know, model where it's sort of the end of year reviews, et cetera. Where, where, where would you suggest that they start? It's an excellent point. And a lot of people have those end of year reviews. And unfortunately, that's the only time yeah, that a manager is exactly. sitting down. Ah, oh, yes, I hate that. Um, the only time. And so what I actually would say to companies is create connection forums so that managers and colleagues can get together regularly. And it's as simple as saying, um, what are the expectations that each person needs to be accountable for? And how are they doing? And, and that's it. And so if you have one-on-ones about expectations and then how I'm doing relative to those expectations, it really can be as simple as that. If a company wants to take, you know, another step forward, they could give their managers um, really simple tips and tricks and feedback forms where they can say, okay, before you go into a conversation with one of your employees, A, don't be distracted. And so what does that mean? And oftentimes it's the simple things. It's, you know, put your phone away, close your computer, don't be distracted by things that can be the onslaught. You know, your watch is going to buzz at you. Don't look at it when your text messages come through. Focus on the person that's in front of you. And then what's the message? So is there something that you observed that you want to tell them, oh my gosh, it was outstanding and here is why it was outstanding? Or was it challenging? And so how do you help them understand why it was challenging and what to do differently next time to be even more effective? And I would encourage companies not to create, um, you know, complex or overly um, scripted kind of forms and feedback processes. I think that just the dialogue and to encourage regular dialogue is the simplest and probably the best and the most effective. I'll give you an example. We actually created what we call our International Future Leaders Program. And so these are individuals, typically millennials, who have been in our organization a few years. They're really in their first or their second jobs, and they are constantly looking for what's next in my career. And one of the things that the program manager has done fantastically is created this feedback culture. So anytime someone has an opinion, it is welcome. Whether it is a negative or a positive opinion, they've created a forum where those individuals are expected to share um, you know, the good and the bad and the ugly. 
They also are expected to ask for and receive feedback relative to every engagement they do. So whether it's a project, whether it's a customer call, whether it's just an internal um, engagement that they are participating in, it's be open to the dialogue. And if you're not getting feedback from the person you're sitting across from, ask for it and be ready to make it actionable. So the so what? And so um, an individual from Italy was pres presenting an idea that they had and it was over Skype and I happened to be on the other end. And afterwards I got an email from him and he said, okay, Courtney, thank you for um, participating virtually with me. Now can you give me feedback on what I could do better in the next opportunity? And I thought, oh, this is fantastic. So if I hadn't um, thought to give him feedback, he was prompting me and specifically asking for it. Mm. So you're really building it. That's part of really building it into the culture of the business by having those type of forums for people yeah. to, to do it as well. Because in many companies, feedback seen as always a, as a, as a negative, mm -hmm. uh, which is crazy, right? When you think about the only way to grow and, and get better is by feedback. But yes. we always seem to avoid it. I know my managers used to <laughs> in previous organizations and even myself, I'll be honest, you know, is that when I first got my first director role and I had to give feedback to other managers and team members, it was, it was tough. And a lot of people do tend to avoid it because there is sometimes friction there. And those conversations aren't always, you know, they're uncomfortable, right? But not having them is even more uncomfortable. And the actual potential, yeah. you know, potential loss to the organization. And as you said, you're doing your employer disservice by not providing them that. What other ways did you did you embed this into the into the culture of the business as well? Absolutely. Well, and one of the funny things I have seen through the course of my career is that the higher you go, the less feedback you get. And you would think it should be opposite, well, right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yes. And so, if you're a publicly traded company, you know the feedback based on the street and the analysts and what they're telling you. But to be honest with you, when you're an executive, um, people kind of overlook some of the behavior and maybe not willing to say, oh my gosh, when you slammed your hand on that table and people leaned back in their chair, here's the impact that had on me. And I don't know that that's the impact you wanna create. And it's the same thing with positive. Um, there was um, actually uh, our chief marketing officer did a fantastic uh, virtual webinar the other day and he interviewed people in one of our branches. And afterwards I took the three minutes to say to him, it was fantastic that you were in a branch. It was fantastic that we did this. And when you specifically used this example, I think it really resonated with our employees because it told them what they're getting out of it and where to go get more information. And if they really have no idea what you're talking about, that's okay too, because here's where they can go seek out information from an actual person. And again, it took me three minutes to kind of jot that down. And then he replied back to me, he's like, this is fantastic and we should do really much more of this. So we each as practitioners, as professionals, we have to practice it too. And so I'm very cognizant of my role um, of, from a talent development perspective. You have to lead by example. And so I often say to my customers, how am I doing, right? Is this what you're expecting? And then therefore opening up that dialogue so that the executive team gets it also. I would say practically, 
Um, anytime we move somebody into a new role, you've got to start it from the beginning. So it's that onboarding process to do something as simple as new leader assimilation. So this is something that's a best practice that's out there in the world. You look at Mike Watkins' book, you know, the first 90 days, there's a whole host of information. But to set a leader up right from the beginning with, okay, so here's the 10 questions um, everybody wants to know about you and about how you're going to lead and what is expected of them. If you create that dialogue and that forum with that leader, it absolutely opens up the doors so that you accelerate the conversation, you're able to move quicker, but also it creates an open, an open forum and an open dialogue. So again, pretty practical suggestions. Yeah. I want to touch on a point you just made as well when it comes to feedback, because I mentioned before, normally when people think of feedback, it's about telling people things that they need to improve on. However, you made a very good point of taking the time to actually acknowledge success mm-hmm. in business is so important. I remember one of the managers in my previous companies that I worked for for over 10 years that for, I would say literally for the entire 10 years that I worked there, every single deal that I did uh, sell, he would come over and congratulate me. For 10 years, every single sale, it took the moment to, to get out of his office, walk across the sales floor and shake my hand and say, well done, and then walk back. You know, and, and, and it stuck with me to, as you said, I still remember that moment, right? And it's that small gesture of just recognizing even the small wins. But, and it was the same amount of enthusiasm, energy, whether it was, you know, a hundred thousand pound deal or a 10,000 pound deal, but it was really, and, and that really meant a lot, um, mm. from coming from a leader as well. And then again, the same thing, constant feedback about what, what I could have done better, uh, and, and what, what I did well, what, what, not, what, what I didn't not so well and what I could do better. Right. Um, and it's very important that they, you do take the moment to acknowledge successes. It's very, very, very important. In your mind, then, what, what are the um, dangers for companies that don't give constant feedback? What are, what are the downfalls and, and the pitfalls that companies are going to go through if they don't do this? Um, unfortunately, you're going to lose a ton of people, right? So in today's day and age, depending on which country you live in and what the market is, um, there's a whole host of employers that would love to scoop you up. And I think the biggest failure we as organizations have is when we don't give feedback and we don't tell people how they're doing, they're looking for that elsewhere. And your turnover rate can increase, you know, you may lose those individuals that you really want to retain um, and also can create a negative culture. So when you don't get, um, you know, the high fives and the um, successes celebrated, those things start to wane. And just like, Chris, your story, it's perfect. It's the idea of you didn't know that that had an impact until it wasn't happening anymore. And your team said, well, we didn't know, you didn't tell us. And so it's the idea of we have to be a bit purposeful about creating a feedback culture where it's okay to share dissenting opinions and successes so that we're purposeful in um, creating a shared value system and a shared environment where um, we know what success looks like, we know what good it looks like, and it's an environment where I know it's okay to be me and to share my opinion. And when things don't go wrong, I know that mistakes are okay, but someone's gonna let me know, okay, so here's, hey, by the way, when you did XYZ yesterday, here's the impact of that. And maybe if you just tweak this little thing, it could have gone better. So to engage in that really purposeful dialogue, I think has a fantastic impact on culture. And when it doesn't happen, um, 
good luck, <laughs> right? Because everybody's going to go across the street to the um, opportunity where um, they are getting what they need. Yeah, and directly on the business, right? The, the effect that it has on the organization and the performance of the overall business is huge. There's so many people that I can already think of that come to mind that have left left the business, businesses that I've worked in the past for those exact reasons that you've just mentioned there. Do you have any examples in your career of where this has directly had a huge impact on the business? Financially, mm. culturally, etc. Yes. Um, so probably too many examples to share. Um, <laughs> So let me think about, uh, I'm going to go for the positive side here. Um, I think every company out there has, um, you know, a list of those individuals whom they don't want to lose, right? And so it's people who have key customer accounts, people who um, have great intellectual capital, you know, regardless of the industry that you're in, um, we all have these can't afford to lose lists. And so the idea is oftentimes our highest performers um, are the ones who question themselves the most. And so I worked at an organization, um, not the current one I'm in, but a couple of organizations ago, where we actually had an, um, a senior leadership team who didn't engage in regular dialogue. So there wasn't a feedback loop. It was once a year conversation, kind of to what you said. And what actually ended up happening is we went through a merger and an acquisition. And the top people who had fantastic customer accounts and who were really, really high performing um, got super nervous, right? And so without information and without clarity of what their future looked like and what their next opportunity from a role perspective looked like, they actually went to the competition. And so it wasn't two who left, it was seven who left. And so all of a sudden you realize, oh my goodness, if we don't stop this right now, we're actually gonna lose the account and it's gonna negatively impact our returns for not just three months, it's gonna be six months and even a year. And so it was quickly to say, okay, let's immediately put a change plan in place. Let's immediately just communicate transparency. What's happening? Where are we? What do you need to know? Because we care about you and we need you in the company. So we can tell you that as often as you need to hear it. And we can also share more information with you as we progress. So I think it's hugely important. And you know, for this particular organization, it did have a negative impact because people walked out the door. People got really nervous. And again, another amazing point you made there, that if you don't already have that culture of continuous feedback and then you go for something like a merger and acquisition, you're, you're doomed to fail. Because yes. it's almost, it's, it's essential. <laughs> Unless people understand you know, what their role is in, in this new, new world, this new culture, this new business, and what it means for them individually, and that's quite clear, then you're going to lose them. And again, the company that I left before I started this, we sold that business. And during the acquisition, the entire leadership team left. Mm -hmm. yes. uh, and uh, I was sort of the layer below the directors. And, and I'd say 80% of my the other directors also left. I was one of those. And it really was because I was uncertain of my future with that organization and what that looked like. Yeah, uh, and there, there, and there wasn't any communication besides some emails, <laughs> you know, some, <laughs> some, some emails that were sent out communications, uh, t t which obviously there was no one-on-ones. There was no, you know, taking the time to actually uh, sit down with each of the leaders and, and, and understand, you know, address their concerns. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and also, but personally, let them understand, you know, what it means for them and what their future of the organization looks like. Why are we not talking more about this? Because, you know, I, I have these conversations every day. And uh, mm -hmm. obviously, if you look on some things like LinkedIn, and well, why, why do you think this is not something which is 
being discussed more in organizations? Yeah, well, and I think people think it's hard. Um, and there's something that has happened in our environments where um, we all know fantastic managers, right? And so when you think about, oh my gosh, I, I would work for that person anywhere. If that person was to call me tomorrow, absolutely, I would consider working for them again. Um, and so when you think about that, there's characteristics that that person embodies, right? So either they engage you because you build trust, there's respect, there's open dialogue, you know how you're doing. So there's something that really resonates with you. And then we all have the examples of when that's not the case. And the managers that we run from because they, you know, embody everything that we don't like about the working world. And we often quit managers as the saying goes and all the statistics show. So I talk to our leaders here. And so we're a 34,000 colleague um, or employee group. We're in, you know, more than 58 countries. And what we talk about is how um, easy it is and wonderful it is to deliver flowers. Right. So if you appreciate this analogy, you're the person on the other end. And I think this is the best job in the world. The person who delivers the flowers, you know, you open the door. It's an immediate. Oh, my goodness. So this for me, I have no idea who it's from, but it is this genuine sense of um, just appreciation. And it's absolutely outstanding. Positive feedback is like delivering flowers and it's easy. Everybody wants to deliver the positive feedback. I think we work ourselves up that we think negative feedback, oh, no, I can't tell. Oh, I'm going to wait three days. Oh, it's now been two weeks. It's been too long. I can't tell them. Um, and a lot of people do what I call stamp collecting. So they take these little in pieces of information that builds up over time. And then that manager tells them everything that's gone wrong no. in a month or a two-month <laughs> or a period. Wow. And you're like, no, no, no. Because again, it's it's terrible. And it's, and a it's, disservice all, it's always too late as well, normally, right? Courtney? It's normally, yes. you're telling me two, three months later, I could have used yes. that information you know, yes. a few months ago as well. Exactly. And so we don't want people to stamp collect. We want people to deliver letters one message at a time and to be really thoughtful with what that message is. And it can be as simple as... You know, today in our conversation, Chris, I love that you're engaging me and you're asking me questions and you made me feel really comfortable before we started. So thank you. And when I talk to you again, will you do the exact same thing? It's as simple as that. And then also, if we were to jump right in and it was a little bit awkward and we didn't take that time, I could say to you, in the future, can we have a five minute warm up period? Because I actually am uncomfortable and it would make me feel better. Now, to do that, that's easy. I just did that, but I have to be conscious about my purpose, right? And so my purpose is for you to have a good show, for me to sound articulate, right? To know what I'm talking <laughs> about. But at the same time, you have to practice that more and more. And so I think, you know, to, a takeaway is to go home and practice on your dog and your cat and your, your siblings and your spouses and your kids about what's going on that's well, that went well, and what maybe could change and to deliver it in um, a really positive intent to make the other person be better as a result of having the conversation. Mm -hmm. and, and I think you're right. We, we, we do that again outside um, yeah. I think one of the reasons that, you know, I've been with my wife since we were 17 years old, <laughs> oh my um, I'm now 30, 31. Um, we've always been quite open. And even though a lot of our friends and uh, family have said, you guys are very open. You just tell each other what you're thinking all the time, whether it's good or bad. And we're like, well, 
why not? <laughs> but you know, we we have a really really good relationship when it comes to that, and I think that's one of the reasons why we've been together for so long, and that we Fantastic. work is we're very we're very open to we don't let things fester, mm-hmm. you know, and get to a point where it ends up being an argument or, or you know an uncomfortable situation. We'll just say okay, but obviously it's the way you deliver it. It's not what you say; it's how you say it, and I think that's very important. So a lot of people end up sort of. Um, you know, their back goes up straight away, right? And they get really, you know, yeah. confrontational. It, it really depends how you how you do it. And I've made mistakes. I made a re- I've made I've made mistakes recently where um, Ivan, who's actually sitting next to you right now, <laughs> he's looking at me whilst I'm saying this. Um, I gave him some feedback via via WhatsApp, and yeah. it was the worst possible thing I could have done because I've just given him some feedback via WhatsApp, but in a so like a, a non, you know, there's no connection there, it's just over text mm-hmm. message. There's no feeling. There's no empathy. It's just like very blunt. Uh, and he replied yes. back saying, you know, in the future, have a, what, have a face-to-face with me uh, mm-hmm. and, and tell me this in person because it would uh, be a lot better than you send it by a message. I was like, no problem, right? Mm-hmm. But, so he was open to tell me that straight away. And I was like, okay, no problem. I won't do that again. So Because sometimes we, get, we, get, we, we, we forget the, the, about how to deliver it as well. So I think it's very, very important. It's amazing because you're right. I think we rely on our devices and on email yeah, and on text problem. messages way too much. Yes. Yeah, it's it, it, it easy. It takes it takes a lot of people do it because it takes away you know the uncomfortable face to face, or it does more damage than good. Communicating mm-hmm. feedback via email, via messenger, via Slack, via via all of these different devices is is uh, can go horribly wrong. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't like receiving feedback that way, but I've still done it to Ivan. So why did I do that? Because I thought, I thought in my mind it was quicker, it was going to get the job done quicker, et cetera. And there was loads of different reasons, but it was completely wrong um, to, to do that as well. So very, very interesting. Um, last question then. For, 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 for everyone listening, you know, what advice? You've kind of gone through this journey with your own organization and many others that you've worked with in before. What advice would you give them looking back that when you first wanted to move the organization into this culture of continuous feedback, what advice would you give them on their journey? Mm, I wish I had this advice when I started. You know, it's interesting. I think the best advice is to, to really mirror what you want to see. And so if you want to create a culture of, um, fair and accurate feedback and open dialogue that you yourself have to be willing to demonstrate and take that first step forward and creating a team um, and creating trust and safety that it's okay to share positive and constructive feedback, to celebrate wins, but also totally dissect failures so that you can improve next time. I think it starts with yourself and then, you know, a small team around you. Think about a bullseye. You're in the middle. It's got to start with you. Um, and then slowly doing um, an expanded effort around you and then them working with their customers and clients. And it really can be this fantastic wave of energy that trans- transfers across the organization so that more and more people are having those real conversations and that real dialogue about what matters and what doesn't and how we can be more impactful and, again, simple really, really simple tools and frameworks. You don't need long, complex tools, um, forms, and you really don't even need you know, a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Um, you just need the opportunity to engage in the conversation. And you're right, it's gotta be verbal. Um, it can't just be through a written means. 
Courtney, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Before we wrap up, we're going to jump into the quick fire round, which I ask all of the, all of the, everyone that dumps on the show, uh, where I'm going to ask you um, five questions and you have 30 seconds to give us some amazing answers. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> um, what was the number one thing that was holding you back from becoming a senior leader? Um, the ability to learn from mistakes. And so I think um, we have to be able to rebound and we have to be able to dissect what went wrong in order to move forward. And as soon as I realized, oh my gosh, I can get so much better if I just understand where it went wrong so that I can improve the, the project management or improve the behavior or improve the team that we select to do something. I actually think that was a huge turning point in my career. And so acknowledging those mistakes and learning from them, that learning behavior is so important yeah and understanding that's part of the process yes in order absolutely. to improve you have to make a lot of failures um what's the best piece of business advice you've ever received mm. don't be afraid to be creative and so I think oftentimes, um, you know, we look back on a process or a system and it works, right? And so we're like, well, why change it? It's delivering the exactly. results that we need. And so it goes kind of hand in hand with that learning agility. It's you have to be creative and to take risks and try something that you haven't before. And maybe it's an off the wall solution, but oh my goodness, the innovation that can come from being creative um, is, is, you know, it can expand beyond so much of what you are anticipating. So definitely, I would say be creative. Fantastic. What's one book you'd recommend to our audience and why? Ah. Oh my goodness. There's so many books. Um, so you can do more than one. You can do, you can do oh. more than one. Yeah. <laughs> there's nonfiction. There's fiction. Um, you know, from a business perspective, um, Mike Watkins book is great. First 90 days. So anybody who's transitioning a leader, it should be, um, part of their onboarding you should definitely give that book it's simple there's a fantastic i wish i had that when i was going through that um and then to be honest with you i have a daughter who's about entering the harry potter days so i can't wait to <laughs> read harry potter with her <laughs> amazing yeah that's pretty cool secretly it's just for you to read it again Courtney. absolutely <laughs> i've been waiting <laughs> yeah. could you share one internet resource that you use to stay up to date with current events or increase your own productivity i um, am a firm believer in um understanding kind of best practices out there and what makes somebody's best practice work for them doesn't necessarily mean it's a best practice for you and for your organization. So there's great practices out there. Um, I really love Gartner's research. Uh, I am a former um, participant in the corporate executive board's um, kind of plethora of information, but whether you're using, um, you know, whoever it happens to be from a best practice research center, what I think is really important is that for your team, you have some sort of knowledge base where you can look up use cases and other industries and you can learn from people who have gone before you. Um, sometimes that's people and networking and sometimes that's online. And so what I would say is lazy man's approach, you can Google any sort of best practice, but get a little bit more specific about what you're looking for in there. And there's going to be, you know, three, four go-to places for you. Um, and again, I think I personally, I use Gartner's research. I think it's um, pretty good from an industry-wide perspective. Fantastic. And uh, what's one thing about your business where you are now that you're most excited about? Oh, 
Oh my goodness, it's the year end process. So 2019 is like here before we even know it. Um, you know, what I, what I think is really intriguing from a business perspective is we, we touch um, people's lives every day. Right. And so from us, we are a workforce solutions, um, kind of a 360 degree player in the HR space. So whether it's helping people identify their next skill um, and from a reskilling perspective, or it is helping someone transition from one organization to another, um, or it's giving somebody an interim project or assignment because that's at their point in life what they want to do. I have to say there's nothing better than connecting people to their next opportunity. And it is so rewarding. Um, I do it internally within our company and our businesses do it externally. Um, but the passion we have for putting people back to work and to find that right next gig is really, really powerful. And at the end of the day, it makes me sleep well because I absolutely love what I do. That's pretty exciting. And I can obviously hear it in your voice and in your energy, but the fact that you get to see it both internally and externally for your customers as well, it makes it kind of that one step better yes, <laughs> as absolutely. well. So very exciting. So before we wrap up, um, what, give our listeners one parting piece of guidance and also the best way to get in contact with yourself if they have any questions or want to reach out to you. Excellent. Well, Chris, thank you for letting me join you today. I think as a piece of guidance, don't be afraid to be you right? Not everyone's going to like you and that's okay because we don't necessarily um, want everyone to like us. We want those who will challenge us and debate with us and make us a better version of ourselves. Um, so that's my tip for each of you. And then if you'd like to get in touch with me, um, please link in. That's absolutely the best way. Um, but don't just send me a note that links in. Send me a personal note about why you want to link in. Um, yes, recently, guys. Good, practice, good best practice there. <laughs> oh my goodness. So recently, Recently, I read about an individual who went through, he had something like 30,000 contacts on LinkedIn. He personally engaged with each person to figure out why they were part of his network. And I think that's fantastic. So contact me on LinkedIn, but tell me why you want to be in touch. Wow. Okay. You, you might regret that now. You're going to be like, Chris, my inbox has just lost control. There's so many messages, There's so many messages in there. Where you go, challenge, challenge accepted by everyone. <laughs> but, well, Corley, thank you so much for taking the time to share your journey and experience with our leaders. I know they'll be a lot uh, better off for it. So thank you so much for that. Um, for everyone listening, as always, guys, you can head over to hrdeaders.com. There you'll find the show notes from the episode. Everything we were talking about, links to resources, will all be linked there for you. Um, Courtney, thank you again for taking the time to, to join us and uh, I wish you all the best until we next speak. Sounds great. Thank you, Chris.